Welcome back to the Keen Light Podcast, the Purishki Podcast, now with the mention of whiskey in its title. And also welcome back to another episode of the 12 Days of Barrel Picks. Whiskey, whiskey, whiskey. This is your host, Jake Skeen, here to you live and clear from my basement in Lakeview East of the Chicago neighborhood of Lakeview East, I guess. Once again, uh, Wilson Torres has abandoned me. Callum O'Donnell is down in the DR doing his Scottish duties as a brand ambassador for a Scotch company in the DR during the winter months where they drink a lot of rum, tequila, flavored drinks, and probably not a lot of scotch, but (laughs) hey, Callum, I'm glad you can enjoy yourself down there. But I brought along two guys who are more exemplary, better looking, um, have better breaths, better palates, more of a refined taste for whiskey to co-host with me on this wonderful episode. So, Brett Bauer, Sagamore Spirit, Bob Zacharias of just life in Chicago. Welcome to the Chicago. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks. Uh, uh, thanks. I'm here too. No, you're not here. You're a guest. You have to introduce you. <laughs> oh, okay. God damn it, Jamie. You always jump the gun. Yep. I'm so disgusted with you. Always <laughs> leaving ladies out. No, mm-hmm. I'm not, actually. I'm very much of an inclusive person. He was building up for a special introduction. Yeah, I was. I was trying to, but, you know, once again, the woman ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> you might have to edit that See, one. See, fair-sighted. Yeah. Might so, with us today is Jamie Duffy of Southern Spirit, the collective of Thoroughbred. Hi guys, so I'm with the collective. <laughs> Thank you for the great. <laughs> I was trying intro. to lead it up. You know what? I, I do think you. this is the first time on the podcast that you knew it was the collective by Thoroughbred. Though. I always know it. No, the it's, name's it's working. Wil- it's Wilson that misses it. Okay, up. yeah, he might be right on that. God, it's because he's Mexican. He doesn't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's actually Puerto Rican. You racist. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to crack you. Oh, were you? I thought maybe we could rock with it. No, um, but Jamie Duffy, the collective by Thoroughbred, is here to talk about Sonoma distilling out of Sonoma, California. Adam Spiegel, um, the man behind the brand who created it, gosh, over 10 years ago now, and is, uh, in my opinion, one of the best craft distilleries out there when it comes to creating something unique, special in the rye bourbon categories, especially the Cherrywood series. And as you're launching your barrel program here in the United States, we thought... What better way to launch it than on the Key in the Lake podcast, the Key in the Lake Whiskey podcast? Yeah, so yeah! we're super Whoa! excited. Okay, Jake likes to make fun of me. Because you're making fun of me before, because I was making sweet, sweet love to the microphone. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's our relationship, just talking shit. But um, we're really excited about the single barrel program, because... We have always made only whiskey. I know that Adam's been on the podcast before, and I have as well, talking about the brand. But we've always made whiskey. We've never sourced. And I know to people outside of the industry, that sounds like whatever. But that's that's a really hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to make it. And it's hard to be doing that for 10 years. Um, A lot of people would have found a different route. And we finally came to the point where we have these half-size barrels that are really mature. um, And and we want to start selling single barrels. So it's a fun opportunity because, A, you only have to do 20 cases versus 40 cases Mm -hmm. for those that don't know a full-size barrel. Um, And he... We were talking earlier before this started that the brand has evolved so much. And, like, it's really gotten to the point where it's great whiskey with a great taste behind it. Um... 
I don't know. Well, no, I bet we might as yeah. well say it that yeah. So before Fountainhead um, had closed down, I tasted all of the single. There were I think there were ten. Yeah, I think we went through eight to ten at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we picked like three or four of our favorites, mm-hmm. and then we did a second round. Um, and we picked one that was amazing and super exciting, and I'm excited for it to go somewhere. I want yeah. it to yeah. be like a special place because. It's such such a good uh, single barrel sample, but we're just getting started. We don't have them placed anywhere. Unfortunately, um, the way we work our programs is it takes eight to ten weeks for the barrel to or for the product to arrive from picking the barrel. That's pretty quick. I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, what. It's, yeah. it's industry average. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it takes us three months to get it from Australia yeah. to here. Yeah, so I think yeah. we started in October. Uh, it was like, yeah, maybe mid-September. Yeah, so we kind of got to this We were going like, to pick it out. We had a couple that were ready to go, and then... Um, I can tell you what day it was, because we recorded a podcast that day. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah with Chris Blantner. I listened to and then one. with COVID hitting and like it not coming into the holidays, we decided to put a little pause on it. Um, but I'm excited to showcase a couple of them today. We do have a Cherrywood Smoke Straight Bourbon for Ooh. Jake. For me. Just for, and for Callum, who's missing <laughs> out. <laughs> no, it, um, before we get into in-depth, I would say if anybody wants to know a lot of information about the brand, um, Adam Spiegel, who is the founder and head distiller, obviously, of the company, was on episode 75 of the podcast, where Callum and I interviewed him during the quarantine uh one of our very few Zoom podcasts, um, but it was one of my favorite conversations of the entire year. Yeah, uh, it was it was I hadn't seen Adam in almost six years, probably, and I was totally blown away and impressed by first the whiskey and the conversation that we had. And um, I can't wait. But to the like, fact that you can even say six years, like yeah. that's hands down my favorite client to work for because. I know him from he was us like schlepping at a showcase. Yeah, you know, right, like Adam right, right, used right. to be at the Indie Spirits and like He brought that up too, yeah. And he's fully involved and still to this day he was like, Let's do a million virtual mm-hmm. tastings. Let's yeah. do every like he's so involved and he cares so much and like I truly still love working for craft brands because of people like him. And it's very pertinent to the conversation right now as we're you know, we're approaching 3,000 distilleries in the United States and with the taxes looming over us um, as we enter 2020, what may happen to some of these craft distilleries over the next half a year. Yeah. Um, in a poll recently, in an article in, I believe it was on Forbes, that uh, of the craft distilleries polled in this article, three-fourths of them said they would not survive after six months if the craft distilling um, tax is passed, where it will go from a little over 2% to 13% in taxes oh. uh, for proof. Um, for a proof gallon inside of their distillery aging during that time period of when it's um, distilled to when it's actually released as a product, which is very scary. And you have a guy like Adam who's been around now for, what, 12 years? 11 10. Years? Okay. It's been 10 years? They they were founded in 2010. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Checks out. Math. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, 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 it's such an interesting conversation to see a guy who literally put his blood and sweat into that into this brand to where it is now where I think that they're on the verge of creating something evolutionary inside a, a revolutionary inside of the craft distilling market with the Cherrywood series. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because we hear a lot from myself as going out and selling it. Like, why isn't your whiskey older? And it's mm. like, well, what's the was, average age? Uh, we're about three and a half years now, That's, but being around <laughs> 10 years, people are always like, why don't you have 10 year old whiskey? And it's like, you have to understand, like, 
Because that barrel would cost like two hundred dollars a bottle. <laughs> well, yeah, and not e- at that time, like we were making what we could release, and like yeah. this isn't. Um, there was no trust funds behind it. There was no investors. Mm. There was no. It was truly kind of that pipe dream that you still see in breweries, but I feel like you mm-hmm. don't see in distilleries, yeah. or if you see it now, like they haven't existed. So the fact that Adam has like weathered, mm-hmm. I, I say weathered because it wasn't an easy ride i imagine oh. especially 10 years ago yeah she even talked about how he went to europe first to, to kind of get that whole um bourbon explosion that was just beginning and taking off to be a part of that and right over there yeah bob what's your experience with no, Brandon? and uh, i was just gonna say and also with with to jamie's point um you know especially when distiller like sonoma who wasn't sourcing to sourcing anything to sell immediately you couldn't just lay down whiskey for 10 years you had to sell something to to yeah. to get income going to get traction to see what how your product's aging so um by doing everything um at the distillery um and distilling all of your own juice it's really hard to uh to just say oh we're just going to set this down and then we'll see how it is you know we'll come back to it in 10 years it's really difficult to do that if you're not sourcing uh initially so (laughs) it's kudos to that distillery um in holding up to that and i think it's uh i think it's commendable that um that they're doing that. No, and I agree. 100%. Age doesn't mean everything either. No, I mean we've seen so many craft brands, especially here in Chicago. We have so many craft brands that started off that way. They weren't they weren't sourcing anything at all. Just grab what you can, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie just spilled I whiskey spilled a all whiskey. over herself. <laughs> um, it, was, it was it was a devil's devil's tears, but uh, I agree with you 100. It's commendable to these brands. They said. I'm not. I'm not going to buy anything from another large distillery and put it in my bottle and see what I can do with it. And hopefully, I can replicate it in the future. Which I, I think there's a total art to buying, to sourcing whiskey, blending whiskey, yeah. putting whiskey out there you want to represent your company. But there's also a whole entire art to distilling yourself and learning. And I know that that Adam kind of learned the same way that the distillers I came up through in the same process. It's a, it's almost a trial and error. Yeah, but I I feel like there's an art. But especially this year with the pandemic, we can appreciate that there's also no money. Like yeah. in what are you just, about? just in I'm saying just in waiting for that whiskey to get made. Like it's so easy. And I don't believe in selling out, right? Like I don't think sourcing is selling out. I don't no, think I'm making either. like but there is have something to, have- to like you're a little bit of a mad scientist or a little crazy to yeah. wait and do it. And I appreciate that. Like the sacrifices you made to only make your own whiskey oh, yeah. is what I'm trying to say. I don't think it ever like uh, makes a whiskey worse or in any way. But there, there's something where you've got to be like, yeah, you're nuts. Like I get you. <laughs> I love you. And I appreciate Oh, yeah. You. Like, yeah, it makes sense why distillers would source out of the gate. Um but also, you know, it's. I think that's each each distillery's decision, and there's no there's no exact right or wrong way to do it. Right, and it's, but it's hard at a distillery that's ten years old to start doing barrel programs too. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Matt Brown, who was on the first episode of the Twelve Days of Barrel Picks, well, they didn't have anything in 2018 when they released that Not a Rye Barrel Pick that he was talking about out of Kentucky on this episode on that podcast. And they're just starting to kind of formulate a plan to making their own barrel picks with their own juice mm-hmm. after uh, sourcing from MGP and then following on these honey barrels that were fantastic and delicious and great um, garnering a crowd and this whole like cultish experience with their distillery across the country. Have well, you had the, have you had the, any of that Brett with Sagamore? It's kind of like that 
garnering of a relationship from something that you guys have been creating since day one? I'm not sure I understand the question. Well, like, I mean, obviously... <laughs> I it's, guess, like, it, a cult like, following. I, 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 Penny, a... Penny's Proof is my, yeah. uh, my example of that, where you have a line of hundreds of cars. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, 600 uh, people. Yeah, so, yeah, lined up in the car to pay a penny for a whiskey. Yeah, um, three, three but, 200 mLs. Right, and, but, and show up, and early in the morning, I was watching the video, people were like, I've been here since, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, and, like, one guy's like, I was the last person here, and I got here, like, at 8 o'clock in the morning, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning to line up for a whiskey release. I mean, that's pretty... I don't care what the price is. I don't care if you're giving it away. It's still pretty cool. Yeah, I think there's been people since you know the idea was released um, that are passionate about Maryland and Maryland style whiskey and then the history of rye and and all that that have followed us all along the way and then through the maturation. Um, and and then Penny's Proof. You know, this was the second release, so last year we had the same thing, half as many people uh, or half as many samples, but yeah, but same idea. Um, and are excited to see our journey. I mean, we started contracting distilling. You know, right. instead of doing a gin. Or rum, or, or I'm sorry, gin or vodka, or something like that. We contracted through MGP, working with Larry Ebersold, and, and now we're you know 21. You'll see our make somewhere into the bottles. Whereas, oh, cool. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I can't believe that it's this close because when I started, it seemed like oh somewhere down the line, <laughs> right. and now it's you know months away. Yeah, yeah. I can't you know, wait till we do the vodka barrel pick. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think um, actually for I don't want to misspeak, but. Oh. I think it's ADI or ACSA. Um, Scott did the Scott Schiller, um, the founder of Thoroughbred, yeah. did a class for two hours Collective on buy. whether to source or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What was his, what was the outcome of that class? Essentially, like there's there's positives and negatives to both. Oh. Um, so same, basically, there's no shame in doing it. Just, it. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he wasn't against it, he wasn't for it, but uh, and I think the biggest thing that you don't have to watch the class or like. Here, here, the class to know is like transparency. Yep. Right, exactly. I was going to ask that. That's Always. the one thing. Right. If you're going to knock MGP, what's coming out of MGP <laughs> or anywhere else, then you got other issues. Right. You right. know, it's if I have to grab your bottle, and I can't figure out where it's made. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying your bottle. Mm-hmm. But if I buy your bottle and I can tell where it's being distilled, perfect. And and Tennessee, MGP, wherever, there's great whiskey being made all over the place. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I don't think there's shame in it. Do your finishes and there's mm-hmm. there's beauty right. and blending and all that. I mean. Um, to pivot a bit, I work with St. George and the most overused word of 2020 pivot. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. It's on my list. All right, Jake, my, my, my yearly <laughs> countdown list. Okay. Um, so <laughs> yeah, help yourself. Um, so with St. George, the one thing that I don't know of with other craft distilleries, but I'll say that it's probably like. A lack of knowledge because i would assume others are doing um with the single malt that they released so i have the lot 20 here today they're doing a solera system are they with nice. their whiskey yeah we do that oh you do yeah mm-hmm. i don't know many other distilleries um, that are right doing behind that. you is stranahan's as well it's a solera so i am a big fan of stranahan's solera awesome. yeah that's why we call it solera <laughs> sorry <laughs> But yeah, so they so like the stuff in here can be four and a half four and a half years old to twenty two yeah. years old, um, which I think is interesting because I was originally like learned all about port mm-hmm. and and spirits that were originated with the Solera system, absolutely and rum and things yeah. like that, mm-hmm. and it's like it's cool that it's going into whiskey now. It, I agree one hundred percent. I mean, our our whiskey at Star Wars was made 
we started Solera based off the idea of our owner getting a call from one of the most popular wineries in Australia that made a pair, which is Australian sherry. And they were like, you, do you want these casts? And he's like, I, I, I can't afford these, but they're like, hey, you're a good dude. Pay us back when you can. So he started barrel aging these in a pair of casts, the single malt. And then he started getting Shiraz and Pinot and Cab barrels. Mm-hmm. But his thought was, what if I take everything from these Apera casts and keep replenishing it over the years? And that's how Solera was built at our distillery 13 years ago um, and continue it to today. But it's just a great do. Where we I've do always it. thought Solero was one of the like, smartest ways to do things. Yeah, right? we've had mm-hmm. a lot of Solero yeah, conversations. Yeah, I sold yep. Sherry mm-hmm. when I was with uh, Kindred Spirits. Oh, yeah. Uh, that whole, oh, yeah. whole portfolio. I did, too. All, with, yeah, Palm Bay. It's all oh, Solero. Yeah. genius. Oh, yeah. No, oh, yeah. I, well, it, it gives you an experience of what, what a distillery was doing, what a winery is doing in day one to what they're still doing in day 10 year, 20 years, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. It's that whole experience inside of a bottle from cast to, ca- cast to cask um, with and the whole appreciation for what you can actually approach as a, as a, as a, a company. I mean, something you can keep putting in together and as long as you can re- not refine the spirit, but you can tweak it to where it's consistent. That's the best part about it. Yeah. And it's about releasing certain amounts at certain times and then replenishing it as, as soon as possible. Cool. Dope. Yeah, I mean, Wyoming yeah. did the other way. They waited three years, released oh, yeah. a product that was almost 60 bucks and mm-hmm. That's what we did, yeah. young. Yep. You only make a first impression once, and then, you know, they were curious why there weren't many reorders, especially in Wyoming. Went and found out, like, it's just not $50, two-year, right. three-year-old whiskey. Now now it That's tough. became it's a six-year-old at thirty six, you know, thirty six ninety nine as as they grew in popularity uh-huh. a couple of years back, and but they had to wait. And But, again, not many other industries where you make your product, and then you have to wait three, four, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years. And in some cases, like not too many people have made whiskey in Maryland in a long time. Right. Mm-hmm. We don't know the flora and fauna of, of there and, and how it's going to taste. And we got a lot riding on it tasting okay. Which <laughs> goes better than exactly okay, into but. what we're tasting right now, which is a whole mm-hmm. experience in Northern California. Yep. And same thing. Yeah. It's about like, we're taking this cherry wood experience. We're going to smoke it. Everything's done on this, basically the same facility, you know, right, right in the na- near area. Um, and taking these, this local product and creating a whole, I hate using terroir because it's, it's more. I think it's overused. Right. I do. I'm sorry. I, like, I, I do understand that the water is going to change things. Absolutely. Right. Right. Like, does it take away from the skill of the distiller? It is a big part of, I think, Adam's program, too, with the water source there. And yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And, like, he's made a point to make sure that um, everything is green. Like, he's 100% wind wind power now he does all california grains like the guy has stayed to it in a world where i can say i've been in the industry for the past six years i would have sold out like i would (laughs) have i would have though he's malting his own barley too right it's exhausting so he is not malting his own but basically is so so he um the new distillery I want to say, if I have to guess, 18 feet from it is a malt house. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. And that's his good friend. Got so it. he gets to walk over every day and watch the exact movements of it. That's like, cool. And literally have input. It's his good friend. It's a best best case scenario, right? Like, if I'm a yeah. specialist in in making yarn and right. are you? Bob's mm-hmm. the good guy at making s- the sweaters right. fit. Yes. Oh yeah, he is. Yes, yeah. he I can go over and be like, Bob, yes, are those sweaters right. going to fit? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah oh, man, cool. they are. That's a good way of putting it. That's a great analogy. Trying this one right here, it's it totally, Brett and I were talking earlier today about 
what it takes to build a, a single barrel program. Are you building it for the consumer? Are you building it upon the taste buds of your your big buyers? Are you building it upon, upon a representation at it? You know, elevated level of your regular spirit. I have two answers to that. It, well, I, I, yeah, I, I want to hear them obviously since you're a guest in this podcast. Um, <laughs> but I also, and just a quick opinion is there's this mesquite charness to this whiskey that I get out of the regular Cherrywood series, but it's it, in that in lack of a better term, it's an elevated product. It's yeah. something that's different, but it contains what the true essence of what he was trying to do with with the whiskey, in my opinion. Yeah. And I feel like, um, so when I worked at Driftless Glen, our whiskey was not ready. Like our bourbon wasn't. And the rye, and I would start tasting certain rye barrels and certain ones, maybe Mm -hmm. 10% of those were ready. Okay. Right? But you can't blend that. Yeah. So you can release those certain barrels. And that's what taught me... um, that even in the same distillation or the same batch and the same area of the rickhouse, certain barrels are going to mature quicker. Oh, yeah. Or you're going to get better taste and some aren't going to have it and you have to come out with a single barrel. So I came from that background. Um, And I think going with Sonoma, it's like there's so... Everyone has like their favorites Mm. um, that you're releasing now to the public to then pick. Right. So it gives you an opportunity to customize that I think is the second point. Right now, we have an over-influx of spirits. It's true. Even whiskey geeks have not tried everything. There's too much shit on the shelves. Oh, as brands in general. Yeah, and I'm saying as a person, like, I take on brands to bring to the U.S. or to sell in the Midwest. Like, there's too much shit, point blank. So... People want to feel like they have a story Mm. in a brand. So I noticed when I worked at Driftless Glen, the fact that I lived in a cabin two blocks from the distillery was a fucking sell story. Everyone bought it. Right? And now I'm like, I know more about whiskey. I have a better palate. Yeah. I'm way more intelligent. But selling Sonoma, nope. People don't want to buy it as much as if I said that I live next to the distillery and work there daily. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think single barrels is that way of putting these people in that place. They're able Mm -hmm. to choose that whiskey. Give them ownership. They have Mm -hmm. ownership behind it. And it's coming to that point now where if people don't have a personal experience with the whiskey, it's not going to sell. That's a great point. So I don't sell a Midwest whiskey, but I can let you pick four out of four whiskey your whiskey. And now when people come in, you chose that. So you're going to feel personally responsible if someone says it sucks. And personally responsible yeah. for your customers as well at the same well, time. Right. Yeah. And, and will this be bottled at 117? So we do do mostly cast strength. If you really wanted to do a different uh-huh. ca- cast strength or a different strength, um, we could water it down a bit. Because the you. regular stuff's a hundred on the cherry wood. Um, it's ninety six point yeah. five. Yeah. So that's yeah. a good example of what we were talking about, though. If you do well and you have fans of the regular cherry smoked bourbon, mm-hmm. you pick this out for them at a higher proof. This sample's one seventeen. It is what I lo- fell in love with last weekend. Right on fire, like not on fire proof wise. I'm like, here's everything I liked about it. Yeah. All in my face. Yeah. Like, it's higher proof. The smoke is there. Like, I mean, I, I, 
took two sips of one, like, oh, oh yeah, smoked, which was a little bit more nuanced in the everyday. Mm-hmm. If as a fan of that, if I walked into your shop and you sold me that as a, hey, I know you like this one. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my, yeah, that's awesome. Thank and you for doing that for me. It's almost um, like a cherry smoked old fashioned too. And yeah. it's, it like, just doesn't even need anything other. Like you put a little soda water in there and just a couple of drops of bitters real, real neatly in an orange zest the in old there. Fa- yeah. The old fashioned is amazing. I, right I know that. you don't, people don't probably build a lot of um, cocktails with barrel picks, obviously, because they're a little more expensive. I know. But, right, but it's so but, good. But, it yeah. really shines. It's through. a showcase of a product. It's probably some of the best juice you have out there as a product because you're not blending together barrels. You're not marrying together barrels. Mm-hmm. You're not putting batches together that are trying to make up for a little bit of inconsistency with consistency of your brand. Exactly, right? Yeah, yeah you're not blending it together. But I do feel like, like I've thought about during the pandemic like should i go back for more of a like a master's in marketing because yes this is what people are caring about now everyone wants to be their own distiller you're seeing the growth of craft distilleries like we're so seeing the growth but can, they, can they survive it right now no they can't i mean like, uh, but I... can they survive by doing barrel picks in their own whiskey clubs yeah they can that's the, that's the whole argument and i have it a lot is look i have a limited amount of barrel picks should i sell it to the person that has supported my brand and is selling my core, or should I sell to the person who doesn't really know much about my brand, but they love they love barrel picks, mm. and the hope is, damn, that Sagamore barrel was great. Oh, well, we're out of it, but I have their core. It, which is it better for me to sell a barrel in a market like Louisiana, where I can't get to right now, but if Martin's buys one, which is a really nice liquor yep. store, and a group gets into it or people fall in love with it, now they're back for more Sagamore you know, core portfolio mm-hmm. versus telling them no and selling it to somebody that's already supported us. But why wouldn't you make, I'm, I'm just asking, yeah, like, yeah. why wouldn't you make whoever is supporting you with the single barrel, make them bring in the core? Because I, that's the idealistically that's leverage is there. But, but do you feel like there's too much competition? Yeah, you're not. There's someone down the road. will just sell them smoke wagon. will sell them a barrel with a line around the corner. Wilderness yeah. trails making phenomenal whiskey. These are, yeah. Your barrel picks on, on you yeah. know, are these are awesome. Sonoma's come such a long way. I literally had this conversation with a retailer this week. Same yeah, thing, exact same thing. Like we have, like, will you bring in our core spirits? They bought a barrel. They had one of our spirits in there, two technically that was available, three that was kind of available, and they brought a barrel pick in. We we asked, can you bring in these two other core spirits? And they're like, why? Mm-hmm. We'll sell yeah. through this, and then we'll talk next year. Maybe. And think of the cost: thirty-four cases through a store in New Orleans. All you, I had to do was send samples. And you, all yeah. you, and then all you, thirty-four oh, quarts. And I got to go. I got to do tastings. Yeah. I got to get a deal. Right. There's DA. There's right. But how different the is it now when you can guarantee. you could just throw a message down to Mikey and Josh over at Bourbon Underground and be like, "Hey guys, we have this down here. Um, here's a bottle. Here's a sample. Post it out there. Get it going. And you have that local market already gravitating towards two guys that have." what almost 20,000 followers combined right and yep. it has turned into a market where we're looking more at whiskey groups than we are yeah sport. i was wondering how, you, how adam's doing that right now uh or just in general the brand yeah i mean basically we had taken like a really old school approach because we've been around since 2010 and we had just started and we wanted to offer these to people who have supported us in the past but it's fucking hard right now because right. a lot of those places are hurting. Um, well, even like with yourself, you know, like you have to quarantine for two weeks as a brand rep. Yeah. You know, like you're, I, I might have come in contact with somebody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be safe. I'm going to stay inside for a week, 10 days or two weeks. Yeah. And then you're off the market and no, no one forgets about you. And I think most people, some exceptions, are uh, very empathetic to 
not wanting to go out, yeah. wanting to be safe, not not creating chaos in their shop either. Not right. not not being another person inside of there when it's like I can only allow six people in my shop. You're if you're in here right now for twenty minutes trying to sell me something, you're taking away my product. You're taking yeah. away my sales. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been rough, and I feel like there's been stuff this year where it's like you feel like the girl who cried wolf. Like I am. You know, or you're like you're in contact of someone who may have had it, and like, do you do that? Like, Callum O'Donnell, and it's just like it's it's a hard it's a hard um, route to take. All I can say is like, I know 2021 January 1st is still gonna be like you know New Year's Eve. It's not gonna be totally (laughs) different. Yeah, but I am very excited about it. I'm excited to just start fresh and um. And start working the brand again. Cool. Yeah, I think that's a good outlook to have. What what's uh, talk about the actual product yeah. we're pasting though? Yeah, those are the thirty yeah. thirty gallons. Because I know he's using yep. fifty three now, right? Yep. So we have These three awesome. uh, thirty gallons here. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite is the eight five eight. Um, so it's a straight rye. rye. Yeah, that that's, mine too. That's. This was this was the one that we were gonna. So this one is one hundred and nineteen point four uh, proof. And the pull date, so when they pulled that uh, barrel, or no, yeah, no, when they pulled the barrel, it was seven ten twenty. Okay. Um, and it was distilled in twenty seventeen. Oh, okay. That's so awesome. about a three year, three and a half year. That's kind of what we're doing. Please sell it to a market I yeah. cover. So I can yeah, get a I mean, I, uh, yeah, this is the one Bob and I tasted together, this and was, like, this, yeah, well, what do you think? Was, of this was the one that we we were gonna do. So um, yeah, he had picked three or four mm-hmm. that were his favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure if the other two's two were, um, but then we tasted the three or four, and we were like love affair yeah with this, this one. This was is excellent, excellent whiskey. This was something that at Fountainhead, yeah, we were. You know, we were hoping to do a single barrel right. like this. You know, obviously the that didn't um, unfortunately didn't work out, and um, but uh, really high quality stuff. I mean, and and the thing is too with doing a ride that you know you don't. There are obviously some aged. You know, you do see some rides that have aged statements on them, but it's not like you're fighting a barrel where some of your major major bourbon fans or your quote unquote bourbon nerds are like, well, how old is it? And that's yeah. like the first question right. that they ask. Whereas with rye whiskey, there's not usually that question. And you that were saying that it. that you had too many bourbon right. barrels, yep. Yep. like and and rye. The notes we had, Bob, were sorry to cut you up, but no. caramel mm. cornbread. Yeah, like for the caramel rye or the bourbon? corn plus. Which one? Uh, we were and um, which one are we talking about? The eight five eight. Okay, I haven't had it yet. Oh. And as a buyer, Bob, when you're looking at these craft brands. What would subject you to buying a barrel from them? What uh, what would what would stop? No, what would, what would make you buy a barrel from them? Oh, I think um, I mean certainly the quality of the product. A um, but you're not afraid of the age statement as long as it tastes good. No, I'm not afraid of any age statements. I, I think I what think we it's... talked about on this specific uh, barrel was the fact that we felt like the the nose and the palette were very similar mm-hmm. with Ooh. that caramel corn. Oh yeah. And that corn. It's bread. a little funky too. And it's almost yeah. like a uh bourbon drinker's rye. Yeah, I can see that on the nose. You're not getting that heavy spice, mm-hmm. right? No. Nope. And so we felt like it was really approachable. And when we had first talked about it, oh. sorry to over speak you, Bob, mm-hmm. but I know you mm-hmm. taste a bunch has of a, shit. And a, I was really a manly, about has it. a manly musk on the skin too. Yeah. Oh. 
Hmm, I like rubbing it. And we felt like Not this barrel specifically yes. is such an easy sell for his Over. bartenders yep. Yep. to be like, oh, you're a bourbon drinker. Oh, like you're not that into it. Here's an intro. Like this is such sweet caramel yep. coming yeah. through. And, like, and this is like caramel walking through the airport and you smell the garrets. And the, and yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, it's nice. Uh, and we had starting to see, uh, we were starting to see some rye, um, rye sales increase over at the market too, and not having a rye barrel selection, um, just by the nature of doing barrel picks, we just hadn't had a rye uh, barrel pick in a long time. I think the last one that we did was Journeyman, I think. Oh really? Yeah, you were um, saying it. Been yeah, a minute. I'm pretty sure. Uh, let me make. Yeah, Journeyman rye. Uh, uh, I think it was still under the Ravenswood. It was before oh, they wow. switched oh, into wow. Last Feather. We did a Jeremy Ravenswood rye. They're, uh, they're pick. trying to appear on this several, podcast several series. years ago. Uh, that might have been 2015, 2015 or twenty sixteen. Anyways, um, and so I thought it was just something that unique that a thought it'd be really fun and I think it would hold up, do really well in a cocktail. Yes. Um, I thought it was could be very versatile in a cocktail. It was great by itself. I I remember us talking about the proof. And could we bring it down? And I think I was like, if anything, maybe I'd bring it down to like 110. But I, I yeah, we tried it out a little bit. We did, we did some bit, droppers but with it. I, I, frankly, I think right at barrel strength would be would be just fine. At I think it was great. It doesn't I mean approaching 120 we, as well. It doesn't. I mean, taste it's like so it. pretty. We, that we like to whoever, say whoever buys it. I Minnesota has already been talking about it. And I'm like. All I need to know is exactly where, and I need to be there within a month to at least buy ten bottles. Yeah, like I, mean, I care about yeah, that right. that so much. Can you it's me so too? beautiful. And, yeah. Um, and like you had mentioned, Jamie, about the word, like the Torah word, gets overused, and sometimes we find ourselves even, and I'm guilty of it myself, but like saying that like it goes down really easy for one nineteen. Yeah. But like truthfully, um, I've tasted a lot of other. Um, yeah, that's great. Even older whiskey that you would think you know would wouldn't have as much of a sharp edge to it having that high of alcohol content but i mean it's great i don't yeah. think it i haven't added water to this glass um wow. and it's the, well, the one I thing guess, i'll second say whiskey I've it's had musky, today, but pretty much the first like whiskey i've had today too. so mm-hmm. yeah but caramel slightly popcorn. but not, yeah, nothing yeah. overwhelming at all about you it you get more of that like caramel sweetness um but the one thing like i i think i said musky musty sorry not, not the fish. Musky. <laughs> Musky fish. Um, That's I was an apprentice for a distiller for a minute, and I could never be a distiller because that would piss me off that that... <laughs> like, I, I like what I like, and that is yeah. so beautiful. And, like, there's ten picks, right? And I'm so obsessed with that pick. I don't think... And there's nothing... It has nothing to do with the distiller. Mm-hmm. It's... It's the aging. It's the barrel itself. But you can find a right home for it. Yeah. I mean, there's <laughs> even if even if it even if it's not a store, it's a club. They'll appreciate it and buy. No, yeah, but, someone's but see, gonna pick it up, but I'm gonna buy half of it. And that goes back to that other question: you sell to a club. What's that do for your core? Like, right, you hope right. they fall in love with the brand. I think it does, though. That bottle. I think it yeah. does. I genuinely yeah. do. I. I have to say that I've been like an old geezer when it comes to Everything. whiskey clubs. No, honestly, like I, I took my time. I was like, ah, fuck that. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. you know, mm-hmm. like these, cause, cause it's hard to determine and decipher who is real. It, That's it, the hard part. Yeah. It's hard to decipher that, process. and then also like, just Bob's known me since I was like twenty two. Like he's been there when I've been like, dude, ask me what my bath water tastes like. Like. <laughs> It's exhausting to talk mm-hmm. to these people. In the past, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I would get terrible people. Like, 
terribly sexist. And I've said this, like, everyone at this table, everyone that I work with, my bosses, all my coworkers are fucking amazing. They would never be sexist, but consumers are terrible. Jesus Christ. No, it yeah. is. And well, I'm, I'm not going to, like, sugarcoat it it's still to this no, day. No, I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm shocked because, like, I mean, people want, I don't know the listeners, like, we've been friends for years. I never heard you say that. Like, yeah. That's what I'm and so, I, think, yeah. Like, I came off as Jack talk, saying we, that. Like, we've talked, what are you about? We've talked about yeah. it. We, right? we, yeah, Bob and I have talked about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I've shied away from whiskey groups. And I'm like, fuck, it's like the old, the dad who wants to go, like, be a creep. Right. At night and drink whiskey with his friends. But it's like, no, I, th- I do think that. Um, whiskey groups have evolved. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but more. I mean, I, I think, I think the leverage is the curious I, part. And, to I, me. and I think what Bart, yeah, I think maybe what, what you were kind of mentioning, Bart, is it like it, does it does it do enough to where if a group of five people who all chip in and they all buy this this I barrel, think it does. and then and, and certainly yes, yeah, so, but the difference between that between getting it on a shelf in front of other. Other consumers that don't know or are just walking right. into a shop. So just or to make an analogy, right? Like, let's say um, it's kind of like an off analogy, but if you guys have heard of like um, Trunk Club, yeah. Mm-hmm. No. So, so they. <laughs> Bob has one sweater. So they uh, they basically like cater clothes to you. Okay. And there's a stylist that shows that. Okay. It's an online experience, Bob. Uh, no, you and you can go in person and you can try these clothes and they make sure I they did not fit. Know that. Okay. It's the same to me as whiskey clubs, right? Like, mm. so if if I got you the best pair of jeans you ever got, mm-hmm. you're probably after that gonna still go to Levi's. Let's say it was, but yeah, you might venture off, but you're probably still gonna after that pair of jeans. Go to Levi's to right. find your next, hmm. right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then special occasions. Like, do I think you're making diehard fans? No. Do I think that you're leaning people in one way? Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's one brand that's worked the leverage thing better than ever, and we can all think of the awesome bottle shops in all of our territories that all of a sudden have 99 on their shelves, right? Like, why do you have 50 mLs of 99? Because oh, I need my pappy. You know, I need I need my points. I need this. That's the ultimate. That's Nirvana yeah. when it comes to leverage, right? Well, no, but, I would, but taking it back from my experience, um, and I've only been in the industry for about six years, I would think Whistlepig was the first mm. to be the ones to be like, yeah, I have this barrel pig. Like the first craft. And okay, I'm yeah. Putting, but they're still sourcing. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. putting air my quotes. fingers up for that air quotes for the, for Whistlepig. Um, they just sold, but they were the first to do like the single barrel and be the first new brand and people were really going with that and so excited. But yeah. I think they were, I don't know, honestly, cause I do think I'm too young to say, but I do feel like they were the first craft brand to offer the single barrel. I mean, there's, yeah, I, I, I just, now you said it yourself, there's so much out there now that the leverage, if you're not going to do it cause you have requirement A, B and C, Hey Bob, I got a rye single barrel for you, but I need you to carry these three things. All right, that's all right, Brett. Because so and so. Would you agree bring me... that Whistlepig was like in a craft in a craft nationally. perspective? Yeah, nationally, nationally, yeah. I mean, yeah. I still think Sazerac's the, the the Nirvana for us, where it's you've got a guy like Gene carrying ninety nine minis, yeah. so he makes sure he gets his eagle rare. It's like Gene, like that's uh, all right, Lollapalooza, I'll sell them all, but it's like, yeah, like, why, why do you have to carry that? Like, I don't even know what hoops you guys had to jump through 
at Fountainhead well, and through there to make at, sure you get the B tax and all that Leo, stuff. But. At Leo's Liquor, they have on their barrel display anything Sazerac or Buffalo Trace related. It says you have to buy to buy one of these bottles. They have it right there mm-hmm. in the middle of the shelf. They have their Eagle Rare. They have anything from Buffalo Trace that they have from that distillery. It says you have to buy a bottle of Wheatley and a bottle of Fireball. Literally yep. on the shelf, saying you have to buy one of each of these, because because yeah. they didn't get shit. Is we, because they were prom- they were promised so many things and they got nothing. They yep. got an old mm-hmm. they got a, t- a Rip Van Winkle ten, one. And I mean they're what, selling it for one hundred and forty four thousand dollars. Power to them to balance the desire for Buffalo Trace, then shift that to seventeen ninety two. I guess it started with Eagle Rare, then BT, then seventeen ninety two. Now Wheatley. I right. mean, whoever's in charge of all that. The, well, awesome. I think one, but, of the, one of the things I'm trying to do with this whole project of Keena Lake is that let you everybody know there's fucking great whiskey out there. You yeah. don't have to go buy on the allocated section. You, you, you don't, don't have to go to the secondary market. This, but, this is yeah. the... Yeah. Speaking of, that cherry I mean, wood I, I, barrel I, pick right get, there. Yeah. Is everything phenomenal. on this table. It is. It is. In, it, is uh, can, it can be insanely frustrating that people only are want allocated and are not branching out. So if, if for somebody who says that they are a bourbon enthusiast, a bourbon fanatic, a collector, a whatever it I is. I think it's changing. Then you though. then you should mm-hmm. you should expand your horizons. Try something new. Taste yeah. it taste it next mm-hmm. to taste it next to your favorite uh yeah. bottle of um of anything from blind a certain taste. portfolio. Brown bag is yeah. my oh, yeah. favorite brown thing bag. to Why this does day. Do that? I live by I the guarant- brown bag. I guarantee you I live by there it. There are certain brands that people that people will call 15 places for in a day hunting for. Yeah. And if you tasted that side by side with something like this or other brands, they'll hold up to them. If not be much, if not be better. And that's not to say that certain portfolios have, have good products and you know, it's have your own thoughts, but, but, mm, but branch point. out, try something, try yeah. something new. Don't just source out. Yeah. Don't just go after the one thing that you think that you can't have or, that's going to impress your friends. No, um, I'm going to go back to fashion on this. Like, sorry, ooh. but like Levi's fits everyone. But Bob, you have a huge ass. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but You're I'm saying like, certain, but, but certain brands of jeans will fit better. Taste yeah. profiles are different. Like you have got to just take a step back. And I do think that no one with consumers talks about brown bagging. It's my favorite thing to do. I agree. For Sonoma Whiskey, Jamie Duffy, Brett Bauer of Sagamore Spirit, Bob Zacharias of Chicago, a wandering man of the world. I am Jake Hookie. Adam Spiegel, thank you for uh, letting us taste your whiskey on this delicious podcast. We uh, wish you all the best in all the holiday cheer. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays.